to this week's episode of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So, All right. In today's episode, uh, we're just going to get right into it for NFL. Uh, we'll dive into some fantasy football. We'll talk about some uh, vets that change teams and I guess their fantasy impact heading into this coming season. Uh, and then we'll just jump right into the NBA and the NHL. We'll talk about what's going on in the playoffs. And I guess, yeah, we'll just talk about all of the series so far. So how does that sound? Sounds good. All right, let's just jump right into it. We'll start with some fantasy football. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just go through all of the teams and we'll just take a look at their rosters and just see any of the vets that have moved around. I guess uh, how things will go for them. Since we did talk about rookies in last week's episode, uh, we're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. I feel like their main acquisition was acquiring Marquise Hollywood Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. I guess, give me your thoughts on his fantasy impact for this coming season. Um, I feel like he's going to have more of like a general NFL impact than like a fantasy impact, if that makes sense. Cause um, he's playing with AJ green uh, and Rondale Moore. There's Zach Ertz at tight end. So um, there's also, I guess, uh, James Conner and Daryl Williams as well. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of sharing the ball around. So in terms of um, how good he is, he's a really good player. But I feel like um, you wouldn't want him as your like first wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, we can also factor in the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, when he comes back from his suspension as well, he's going to be part of that team. So, yeah, they're going to be really stacked there. Um, Hopkins would definitely be the, the best receiver. When he's not there, though, it could be Hollywood Brown. There is potential there for him to be that guy. But I wouldn't rely on it. Like you said, don't draft him as, like, one of your top receivers. Maybe draft him as, like, a wide receiver three bench type player. I feel like that would probably be your best bet. Um, we'll move now to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I mean, we might as well talk about like the main acquisition there. Um, and that's Marcus Mariota, who is projected to be their starting quarterback. I guess, give me your thoughts where he might go. Do you think he might be like a backup quarterback for a fantasy team? Do you think he might go undrafted? I guess, what are your thoughts? I feel like, um, he could maybe be a backup quarterback. That's pretty much going to be at the most because this Falcons team is still rebuilding for the most part. So. I mean, he does have some pieces, for example, in like Kyle Pitts, but I don't really expect the Falcons to, um, I guess, be how they used to be like a few years ago where they were making the playoff runs. So at the most, maybe a backup quarterback, he might actually go undrafted in some leagues. So yeah, he's not going to be like your first option for sure. Yeah, I mean, he has decent rushing upside, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be like a top 12 quarterback, probably won't even be a top 15 quarterback. He'll probably be in that like 20 to 25 range, possibly. So depending on the league, he'll either be your backup or undrafted. Um, yeah, let's get to the Baltimore Ravens. They've had a lot of change going on as well. Um, honestly, their biggest signing on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, 
it's probably Mike Davis, uh, the running back. The only problem is they have so much uh, going on in terms of having J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in front of him on the depth chart. I mean, just give me your thoughts on whether he's going to get into any games or whether he'll be fantasy relevant at all. I think he's going to be fantasy relevant, unfortunately. I mean, you already mentioned Gus Edwards. You mentioned J.K. Dobbins. And you have to um, factor in Lamar Jackson as well because he's a quarterback who runs the ball a lot. So um, there's going to be a lot of, um, I guess, competition for uh, getting some rushing. And obviously you can't force Lamar to give you the ball if that's not what the play is. So, yeah, I don't really see him being too fantasy relevant. I was going to say, I don't think both of them, both of the running backs are going to tear their ACLs again in the same season. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a good chance he's not going to get a lot of reps. So he probably should go undrafted. Um, we'll move now to the Buffalo Bills. Um, I guess their main guy uh, in free agency, they have two. One's wide receiver, Jamison Crowder. The other one is OJ Howard, the tight end. I guess, which of the two do you think would be more fantasy relevant? And I guess, uh, I guess, would you draft them? It's going to be um, a little bit hard to tell. I think maybe Jamison Crowder might have um, more of an impact um, than, I guess, O.J. Howard, mainly because it looks like Jamison Crowder is going to be starting at least. So that should give him some more opportunities for targets. And tight ends don't necessarily get a lot of targets in the first place. So I think out of the two, I'd probably go for Jamison Crowder, maybe kind of at the tail end of the wide receivers. Yeah, honestly, in my opinion, I'd think of Jamison Crowder as like a Cole Beasley light, like Cole Beasley was fantasy relevant and Jamison Crowder's playing pretty much the same role that Beasley was in Buffalo. So that's probably what I would think of him as. And then for OJ Howard, um, I guess before Dawson Knox's breakout season last year, Buffalo was barely using their tight ends in terms of receiving. So if anyone's going to get the receptions, it's probably going to be Knox. So it's going to be tough, in my opinion, for Howard to be fantasy relevant outside of the, you know, the touchdown here and there. He might finish the year with like four or five touchdowns, but that's about it. Um, yeah, we'll move now to the Carolina Panthers. Um, they really didn't do too much. Um, I mean, they added Deontay Foreman. Uh, they added Richard Higgins. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think any of them are going to be fantasy relevant. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not really um, seeing, I guess, either Deontay Foreman or Rashad Higgins as like um, as like a first or like second wide receiver. At the most, maybe like a third wide receiver if you have like extra room, but I'm not really too sure Um where this Carolina Panthers team is going to go. So that's obviously going to affect their, how effective they are as well. And at the end of the day, it's the Christian McCaffrey show if he's on the field. And if he's not on the field, this team's looked lost at times. So, yeah, I really wouldn't bank on either of those two having a big fantasy impact. Uh, we'll get to the Bears now. Uh, they've made a few small moves. Um, like they, they've added a couple tight ends. They added... Um, you know, a couple like wide receivers here and there. Um, I think maybe Byron Pringle was my favorite ad from Kansas City. He had, he showed some some spark last year with the Chiefs. I guess, do you think he can sort of repeat that here in Chicago? Um, 
maybe it looks like the team did get um a little better overall um Justin Fields isn't a rookie anymore so he should be improving a little bit um he could get a pretty decent starting role here but I would still kind of draft him at the tail end of the wide receivers yeah I absolutely agree Darnell Mooney will probably be the only receiver you'd be drafting uh in your top three receivers uh for for this team um and then we'll get to the Bengals now um I guess they made like a few small moves here nothing too big um Hayden Hurst was probably the main one he looks like he's gonna slot as their main tight end this year uh, I guess where do you see him uh I guess in the tight end landscape like is he a starter is he like more of a backup in fantasy like what are your thoughts um I feel like for the most part, he'd probably be, he, he's going to be like, um, I don't know how to like, ex, ex, like say it, but he's not necessarily going to be like your first choice for a tight end. But for example, if you miss out on like a top three tight end, then maybe you could go, go for him. Or if you're in like a really deep league, you might be able to take him. But for the most part, I'd kind of see him as a tight end if you're in a shallow league. So you probably just see him as like a backup in a shallow league and then maybe a starter in like a deep league. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. To be honest, I'd probably see him as a backup myself. Uh, he's probably that second guy you take hoping he has that breakout season. So yeah, I think I, I see him sort of in a sim similar light that you do. Um, we'll get to Cleveland. I mean, we got to talk about two main guys. We'll talk about Amari Cooper and then we'll talk about Deshaun Watson. I just want to hear your thoughts on both of them when it comes to fantasy. Well, I guess for um, Deshaun Watson, he is the starting quarterback, so he's most likely going to be fantasy relevant. Um, this team is really well-rounded offensively, so there shouldn't really be any problems for Deshaun Watson to get points. Um, for Amari Cooper to get points, he looks like he's the most, um, t I guess, talented wide receiver. He probably has, like, the most clout as a wide receiver so i would expect him to be getting the most targets so i think he could maybe be like i guess either a first or a second choice depending on how you see the browns this year yeah i was gonna say he's a wide receiver one for sure if deshaun watson's playing and deshaun watson's like a top 10 quarterback if he's playing so um, i think you could probably take both in the top 10 at their position so they both be they'd be your starter in both of those positions in like a standard 12 team league. So I mean, I definitely agree with you. Their upside is insane as long as they're playing together. For sure. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we'll move now to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they have a few small acquisitions here. Um, I guess probably the main one is James Washington, wide receiver. Uh he came out of Pittsburgh where he was like the wide receiver four there behind uh, Juju, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. He now potentially gets to be a wide receiver three behind CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, I guess. Uh, give me your thoughts on him. Um, not really too sure how James Washington's going to kind of, I guess, pan out for this year, but I think he should be able to have um, a pretty decent role. So I'd say maybe I guess like a, a third wide receiver. If you really like him, you could maybe take him as a second, but I personally wouldn't. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He has that third wide receiver upside considering the offense was able to support for three wide receivers a lot of the time. Um, personally, I'd probably take him as like a flex or bench um, just because there could be like maybe a younger rookie that could like get ahead of him on the depth chart eventually. So that's probably something you have to keep an eye on. But he definitely has the wide receiver three upside for sure. Um, we'll get to the Broncos. Uh, we'll talk about the main addition here, and that's Russell Wilson. I guess give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Russell Wilson, he still has um, the talent. He still looks um, perfectly healthy. And I think the Broncos, they have a pretty decent um, roster overall. It's not going to be the best roster he's played with, but I think it's uh, decent enough for him to get, um, I guess, a decent amount of fantasy points every week. So I think uh, Russell Wilson, he should be, He's not necessarily going to be like top five or anything, but I think he'd be somewhere in the top 10 this year. Yeah, I'm thinking that this offense sits pretty well, like similar to what he had in Seattle, where it's like very run first, uh, play action, all that kind of stuff. Um, he should be around, uh, he should have around similar fantasy numbers, like, like you said, just outside the top five at his position. Um, I feel like you're safe drafting him there. He does have weapons on the outside. You have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and others. And then great running backs with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Uh, so, yeah, like, honestly, just um, do your thing with him. Draft him in your top 10 uh, at the position for him to be your starter. And I think, yeah, you should be good heading into next season. Uh, we'll get to the Detroit Lions here. Um, I think their main addition is DJ Chark at the wide receiver spot. In my opinion, he'll be like the main wide receiver on this team. Maybe like the third guy on your team, like a 12 team league. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? That That's just my opinion. I kind of see um, DJ Chark kind of like in a similar way. He's probably going to like, he's kind of like um, a veteran that kind of he's like the, I guess like the leading wide receiver, if that makes sense. So he'd probably get be getting the most targets this year. So that kind of gives him upside just on the fact that he's going to get a lot of targets. So he'd probably most likely be like, again, like either a second or a third wide receiver in like shallow league. But if you're in a deep league or for example, um, you're at the end of the draft and everyone already took like a good wide receiver, he'd be like the wide receiver that you'd kind of look for. Yeah, like my only concern is like Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown are like young receivers that they just recently drafted. But then again, they paid DJ Chark the big money in free agency. They're going to get him the ball. Like that's just my opinion on that. So he should be a safe yeah. uh, relative uh, fantasy option to that. And um, yeah, we'll move right to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they've had quite a bit of change, obviously, uh, Devontae Adams leaving. Um, like They've ad added a few small additions here and there. I feel like their like main addition was Sammy Watkins. I know he was fantasy relevant here and there for the Chiefs and for the Ravens, but I guess what are your thoughts on his role here? Um, it's, again, it's going to be pretty hard to tell. I think he is going to have a role because – um, I guess Sammy Watkins, he's been um, getting like a decent share of targets. So I think he's going to be, again, somewhere similar to last year where he was like, I think a lot of people drafted him, but 
he was always like drafted a little bit late. So something like that. For sure. I, I definitely see him in a similar way. Um, you might get that one boom game from him like we see, and then he might like sort of fade away. So you definitely got to keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, we'll get to Houston. Um, they have a few additions here and there. Um, I feel like the main one is Marlon Mack at running back. He's slated to be their starting running back heading into the season. I guess, give me your thoughts on that. Um, I think even as a starting running back, uh, I feel like Houston is still rebuilding for the most part. So I'd say maybe as like a flex option, like some people they like to put running backs as their flex option. Um, I do that sometimes. So you could maybe do that with Marlon Mack or you could have him as a running back on the bench, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. I feel a similar way to you on that. I feel like that, yeah, considering the team that he's on, the potential of him sharing uh, targets with Rex Burkhead there at the running back position. Uh, Davis Mills is still developing, so you, we don't know what we're going to get from him. So, yeah, uh, similar spot, flex, bench-type running back. It should be uh, pretty solid for you if you need him on, like, a bye week or something. Uh, we'll get to the Colts now. Um yeah, their main guy's Matt Ryan. They brought in to be the starting quarterback. I guess where do you see him going in fantasy this year? Um, I think he's um he's gonna be like a quarterback that um you'd probably draft him if you wanted to, I guess, go out and uh get some really good like wide receivers and running backs, but you decided that you're not gonna necessarily take um, the best quarterback early. So he's going to be that kind of quarterback, I think. So he's not going to be like a lot of people's first choices. So he might end up being like a second choice or like um, maybe your first choice in like a really um, deep league, like 14 teams or something like that. But I think he's going to be kind of um, in the middle for quarterbacks this season. Yeah, I think like maybe uh... – a uh, starter for a deep league, like you were saying, then a bench guy in like a standard league. Uh, should be great for like bi-week fill-ins. You know, he'll get that bare minimum of points for you. And yeah, he'll be able to hold you over. So, um, yeah, he's definitely someone you should be drafting in most leagues. Uh, we'll get to the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Um, their main signing was Christian Kirk. I know people have been saying he's overpaid. But the fact that he did get paid like that means he's probably going to be the main guy there, a wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence to throw to. I guess give me your thoughts on that. I mean, he could end up being the, the main guy that they throw to. So, again, if the guy gets a lot of targets, he's probably going to be fantasy relevant. But even with that, um, Jacksonville is, again, still a really young team. Um, they're getting a new head coach, so we don't really know exactly how they're going to um, play this roster. So I'd say you should still probably try to draft him in the third round if you can. All right. And yeah, I'd probably just agree with that. He'd probably be like a third wide receiver for for your fantasy team, somewhere like that, If especially if he's getting the targets. Uh, we'll get to Kansas City. They've added a lot of players. There's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, then there's Ronald Jones at running back. I guess out of these guys, which one do you think will have the biggest fantasy impact? Ooh, that's going to be um, really hard to say. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, 
And who was the third guy again? Ronald Jones at running back. Ronald Jones. I would imagine that a running back would normally have a bigger role, but uh, yeah, I would say maybe Ronald Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say Ronald Jones should be drafted uh, just because um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was in and out of the lineup and Daryl Henderson, not Daryl Henderson, uh, Daryl Williams, when he was there last year, uh, he was just like pretty much a guy you could start every week. So um, if you own both Chiefs running backs or, you know, if you own one of the two, you definitely should be uh, good on that front. And then uh, I like Juju Smith-Schuster as well. I mean, uh, we saw what Tyree Kill did out at the slot last year. Obviously, Juju's not as fast, but if Mahomes is going to give him the ball, he's going to do something with it. So definitely like his appeal as well. Um, getting to the Chargers, um, I guess they uh, didn't do too much overall. Um, the only thing I might look at is Gerald Everett at tight end. Um, I don't know. Where do you see him sort of being drafted? Um, I think Gerald Everett, he might end up being uh, top 10. But again, it's really hard to say who's going to be top 10 out of like, outside of like maybe like three people like Mark Andrews or George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. Other than that, it's kind of going to be hard to tell exactly who's going to be in the top 10. But I think Gerald Everett, he could either be top 10 or just outside of top 10. So you might want to draft him, I guess, um, first if you're in a deep league or if you're at the end of the draft position. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's definitely going to be a popular breakout candidate considering he's playing for a high-flying offense like the Chargers. Is he going to get there? I don't know because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to need targets. Uh, so we'll see how, how he's going to be. He definitely has that borderline top 10 upside. I definitely agree with you on that. But uh, yeah, uh, he might be like a, a low-end starter in like a deep league or like a high-end backup for like shallow league, something like that. Uh, we'll get to the Rams now. Allen Robinson's the main guy they added in free agency. He's not going to be the wide receiver one for this team because Cooper Cup is there, obviously. But I definitely think he can be a solid number two and sort of play like Odell's role. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's kind of how I see Allen Robinson as well. Um, obviously, um, Cooper Cup, I mean, we saw him last year in the playoffs. So I would imagine he's probably going to be getting the most targets and he'd be the most relevant out of all the wide receivers here. There's Van Jefferson as well. So I'd say um, Allen Robinson's going to have a good fantasy season. So you still obviously want to draft him, but don't uh, draft him as your first choice. Sounds good. And uh, speaking of a wide receiver that probably should be drafted as one of your first choices, that's Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think he's definitely like a top three wide receiver this year in fantasy. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is pretty much the perfect situation for him. Um, again, in terms of talent, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL right now. Um, Hunter Renfro is a really pass-heavy quarterback, so he's going to be getting a lot of targets as well. So he's probably going to um, be off the draft boards if um, you're drafting, unfortunately. He's probably going to be everyone's first choice, I think. Yeah, there's another guy that could be everyone's first choice, and that's Miami Dolphins getting Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's, yeah, their main addition. I know Chase Edmonds is also there, but and Sony Michelle and Raheem Moster, they really uh, redid their offense. Cedric Wilson coming in as well. 
Yeah, they really are trying to give Tua all the weapons he can to win. They got Teddy Bridgewater as the backup quarterback. Man, they made a lot of moves. But I think Tyree Kill is the most relevant one. So I just want to ask you about that. I mean, Tyree Kill is relevant any team he goes to. Even if he wasn't on the Dolphins, you'd still want to take him in the first round. So him being on the Dolphins, you'd want to take him on the first round even more. Yeah, the fact that they have Tyree Kill and then they have Tyree Kill 2.0 and Jalen Waddle, like that's that's pretty insane. I don't think they'll steal from each other's workload. Tyree Kill is going to get his normal workload, obviously, and then Jalen Waddle, uh, his workload will kind of depend on how well Tua plays. So I uh, definitely want to see uh, how all that works out. But yeah, Tyree Kill should be like a top five guy off the board at his position for sure. Um, another guy that potentially could be top five is Justin Jefferson getting to the Vikings. Obviously he's not a new addition. Um, it really doesn't look like they have uh, a lot of new additions. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about Justin Jefferson, I guess, give me your thoughts on his potential upside. In my opinion, I think he could be top five, but I guess, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm not sure about like top five, but he could maybe be like scratching the top five, if that makes sense. Um, it looks like he's um, their number one wide receiver right now. So he's going to be getting the most targets, but the Vikings are still a run heavy team. But I guess Christian Kirk, he's um, an underrated quarterback, I think. Obviously, they don't um, have as much opportunities to throw because, again, it's a run heavy team. But I think uh, Justin Jefferson, he should be able to make it somewhere in the top 10. He could scratch the top five but he might not get enough um targets so he'd have to have a really good catch rate in order to get top five yeah i think he probably will and i think you meant kirk cousins when you're talking about quarterback but yeah 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 um yeah yeah but i definitely agree with you his catch rate has been pretty good so it's definitely attainable i definitely agree with that so uh, yeah we'll definitely see where he is for this coming year um we'll get to the patriots now uh, the main new face there is Devontae Parker. Um, I think he's going to be the main wide receiver here. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's possible. I mean, he has the most experience, it looks like, um, for the most part. So I'd imagine they probably want to throw to him the most. I think the only one that could take from his targets would be Hunter Henry, but that would be sort of more red zone, in my opinion, because he was like a high touchdown kind of guy. Parker and Jacoby Myers are definitely going to be eating a lot of targets there uh, from Mac Jones. So definitely be interesting to see. Maybe Parker could be like a wide receiver three or something like that. Um, we'll get to the Saints now. Uh, we'll talk about former Cleveland Brown Jarvis Landry. I guess, what are your thoughts on him going to the Saints? I mean, I guess just regular NFL-wise, um, it makes them an even deeper team. Um, I think they did want to retool a little bit, so um, he should be, I think, at bare minimum, he'd be wide receiver three. I think I kind of see him as maybe like a wide receiver two or maybe a wide receiver one if you're in a deep league. Yeah, especially if Jameis starts slinging the ball, both him and Michael Thomas could be top receivers. So, yeah, we know Jameis loves throwing the football if he keeps those interceptions down. Both of them could be in line for a great season, as well as rookie Chris Olave. So that'll definitely be interesting to see. Uh, we'll get to the Giants now. Um, I mean, they've been adding, I guess, all over the board. 
uh, small moves like Ricky Seals Jones coming in at tight end, Matt Breida coming in at running back, uh, you know, like a few small moves here and there. Um, I guess what are your thoughts on, I guess, either of those two guys? Um, honestly, in terms of the Giants, uh, because they haven't had the most successful seasons for the past few years, it's kind of, I need to see how the Giants do this season in order to kind of like, I guess, fully know how it's going to go. So I'd be a little, I guess, um, more conservative with this team. But I think, I guess, taking a look at rookie, I mean, Ricky Seals Jones, um, I think he could maybe, I guess, be outside of the top 10. Uh, Well, maybe not outside of top 10, but he'd be kind of like a backup tight end, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely going to be someone that's either going to be a backup or on the waiver, depending on the size of your league. What are your thoughts on Tyrod? Do you think he'll start a game for this team, or do you think this is Daniel Jones's team? Um, I mean, it depends if Daniel Jones stays healthy, unfortunately. But I think um, if Daniel Jones is healthy, um, normally um, backup quarterbacks don't play, so... It's basically going to depend on Daniel Jones' health. Yeah, for sure. Definitely agree on that. We'll get to the New York Jets now. CJ Uzama coming there to play tight end from Cincinnati. I mean, he could be like a dark horse tight end, in my opinion. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so as well. And they also have Tyler Conklin, which is um, kind of saying a lot. So, yeah, this team's going to be... Um, really deep in terms of tight ends. But I think um, CJ Usama, he does have a lot of potential here because um, the Jets don't necessarily have like a really dominant option. So he could end up getting um, more targets than some other tight ends out there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. Um, I guess getting to the Eagles, I mean, their main acquisition was AJ Brown at wide receiver. I think he's going to be the main guy here. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's most likely going to be the main option at wide receiver here. I think, yeah, there's not really too much depth at wide receiver. And I think he was brought in specifically to address that issue. So I'd see him as the top wide receiver on this team. All right. And we'll get to Pittsburgh now. Um, I feel like their main acquisition was adding Mitchell Trubisky at the quarterback position. I, I don't know. I feel like he might be one of those backups that could, you know, like uh, just go off for like maybe a, a really solid game here and there. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I see him more as a backup quarterback at the most. You definitely wouldn't want to take him as a starter. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, we'll get to the Seattle Seahawks now. Um Honestly, I just feel like whoever's going to be at their quarterback position is going to be a topic of conversation, but I don't think either of them are going to be fantasy relevant. So I'll go to the tight end position and talk about Noah Fant. I guess, what are your thoughts on him for this year? Um, He could do fairly well, but he's still going to be competing with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So, I mean, it's again, it's going to depend on how Drew Locke or Geno Smith, depending on who's starting, decides to um, target. So I'd say in terms of talent, he could be a starter, but we'll have to see. For sure. And we'll get to the San Francisco 49ers now. 
Um, honestly, they didn't do too much uh, to change up their team. Obviously, they had backup tight end Tyler Croft. Um, the wide receiver core has stayed mostly the same. Uh, we'll definitely have to see if Debo Samuel resigns the running backs. Uh, pretty similar as well in quarterbacks as well. I guess, give me your thoughts on, I guess, this overall offense. Um, I mean, this overall offense, I think it's um, all right for the most part. But I guess just looking at who's there, there's the Cardinals and the Rams. So it's going to be really hard to compete with those two teams. So it's, they're not necessarily like a weak team. It's just that they're playing in a pretty deep conference. Yeah, Jimmy Grapple's had surgery, so he's not going to start the season on time. So Trey Lance is really going to have to get this team going. He needs to take that next step this year. He's like one of those dark horse sleeper quarterbacks because of his like rushing upside. And he does have a pretty big arm as well. So if he takes that next step and actually becomes a legit starter for this team, I mean, you add him, George Kittle, if Debo comes back, you have Brandon Ayuk there. I mean, Elijah Mitchell was really good too. So you got a really solid offense here. So definitely going to be a lot of fantasy relevant players uh, at their positions and then they could even explode uh, with Trey Lance potentially taking another step uh, we'll get to Tampa Bay obviously the main news was that Brady did come back to play uh, but we can talk about Russell Gage being like the main slot receiver coming in from Atlanta I guess give me your thoughts on him I mean that's I guess an interesting pick so I think Tampa Bay they have a bunch of players that are some of them, I guess you could take them first, but I'd say for the most part, they'd all be like second second picks maybe. Um, even Russell Gage, you could probably take him in the second round as well, I think. I feel like, yeah, he could be, like, I, I know, like, you're, uh, in terms of wide receivers, yeah, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they'd probably be like wide receiver twos. I definitely agree with you on that. Then maybe Russell Gage, he could up, get up to that rate. He could be like sort of like a low-key flex option that you could be playing every week just because he's getting the targets. Because we know Brady does love his slot receivers. So that's definitely a distinct possibility there. Um, we'll move now to the Tennessee Titans. They got Robert Woods. They got Austin Hooper at tight end. Two vets there. I guess what are your thoughts on those two guys? Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. I think Austin Hooper, again, he has potential, but unfortunately we just haven't seen it yet. So I feel like you'd um, maybe want to, I guess, if at the most you'd want to draft him as a backup. But honestly, if you just look for him on the waiver, you might actually find him there depending on the depth of your league. Um, Robert Woods, I think he's, he should be fantasy relevant. Not really too sure where he'd be, but I guess maybe as like a second a choice. Yeah, I'd probably slot him as like a wide receiver too. Definitely agree with you with Austin Hooper. He's probably like a backup because I, I don't know, the Titans just really haven't been throwing to their uh, tight end. So when uh, we know this is the Derrick Henry show pretty much. So yeah, I definitely think that's going to be the case. Uh, we'll get now to the Washington Commanders, the last team on the board. And their main addition is Carson Wentz at quarterback. Um, I feel like he could be a solid backup quarterback, so maybe just outside your top 10 or 12. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on him? I feel like um, Carson Wentz, um, I guess it might not be accurate to call him like a sleeper pick, but I feel like he should have the potential to 
maybe be close to where he used to be, but again, we're going to have to see. Definitely agree with you on that. We've got to see if he'll live up to his potential. And yeah, we've got through all the teams. I guess any last thoughts? Uh, not really. Yeah, I think we've covered pretty much anything. All I'm going to say is that, yeah, there's a lot of good vets that have switched teams. Almost every team had one. So definitely keep that in mind as you're going into your fantasy draft. And yeah, don't be afraid to draft them because they could be moving into better situations. So um, yeah, um, that's pretty much going to be the end of Fanatics football. So now we're going to move to big time basketball. All right, in the NBA, um, we'll start by looking at both playoff series. Uh, we'll start in the East. Uh, Boston Celtics are currently up three to two um, against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Boston did win uh, their game on Wednesday, 93 to 80. Um, we have Jalen Brown leading Boston with 25 points. Jason Tatum led them in rebounds with 12, and Tatum led them in assists with nine. And then getting to Miami, Bam Adebayo had 18 points to lead Miami. PJ Tucker had 11 rebounds to lead the Heat. And then Jimmy Butler had four assists for Miami. Uh, pretty low scoring affair. I guess give me your thoughts on this game and then this series. Yeah, I was wondering, is this still 2020 or did we go back by 20 years? So, yeah, it was a um, really interesting game, really defensive, like you said. Um, I guess in terms of uh, shooting, there were some players that didn't necessarily shoot their best. So I think the defense kind of uh, came into play there. So a lot of um, shots being contested. So kind of uh, it didn't go down to the wire but um, really good defensive showcase especially by the Celtics yeah I mean Boston uh, they played really well but yeah this series has been back and forth it's been pretty tough to call um, game six will be in Boston as they look to go on to the NBA finals Boston's favored by eight and a half in that game um, I guess which side would you be taking there I mean uh, it's really hard to pick, just like you said, but the Celtics are at home. Um, they were able to, they would have covered that if that was the pick for this last game. So you might have to take the Celtics here as well. Yeah, especially since Miami hasn't been fully healthy. I know both teams have had injuries, but um, yeah, I think in the last game, Boston was a bit healthier. So I think, yeah, you probably could go with Boston. Honestly, just check out check your lineups first. But uh, I guess just looking at it now, I probably would lean Boston as well. They'll probably get it done at home just like they did in their last series. So um, yeah, definitely something to look out for. Um, We'll now get to the Western series, and that's the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. The Warriors are up 3-1 in the series, and Game 5 is currently going on as we're recording. Um, and yeah, Golden State's blowing out Dallas. Um, Clay Thompson's currently leading the Warriors in points, Looney in rebounds, and Draymond in assists. Then you got Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie leading Dallas in points with uh, Luka Doncic leading in both rebounds and assists. But yeah, like it, it's almost a 30-point lead at this point. Not much I can really say. I think Golden State's going to the finals. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, um, the Mavericks, they had um, one good game, but 
it looks like the Warriors figure out how to adapt to that again. So, yeah, I guess this is good offense, obviously, but I think they're playing um, good defense to try to, I guess, limit the players on the Mavericks as well. Yeah, I mean, whoever Golden State faces in the finals, whether it's Boston or Miami, Golden State's going to be a tough out. Let me just tell you that. Like, they're they're like a championship caliber team. Apparently, they could get Igudala back for the finals as well. So that's like another player that can shoot daggers. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing else I can say. This Golden State team is probably the deepest. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd say... Uh, it's pretty accurate to say that they're the deep, the deepest team in the playoffs this year. I think, especially offensively, it looks like there's a lot of players who can play really well from the offensive end. So, they're definitely going to be a hard team to stop. I guess. What are your thoughts on Kevon Looney stepping up in these playoffs? He's been amazing. Yeah, especially in terms of rebounding, because that's kind more or less been the Warriors' uh, weakness. If that makes sense, they're not necessarily the best at re- rebounding but um kevon looney has been i guess really helping them out with that so i'd say that the warriors they don't really have any like easy weaknesses to pick on yeah i definitely agree with that they've improved in a lot of different areas their bench is deeper i mean when you don't even start jordan pool half the time like your bench is pretty deep they have guys that can come out and play if you get a Gudala on your bench as well that's going to be another good player um, yeah, I mean, Golden State's as solid as it gets. And yeah, they should win this series in five, barring any collapse. But I don't think that's going to happen. This Golden State team is pretty strong overall. So I guess um, my finals prediction would be Warriors against Boston. I guess what are your thoughts? Like, like, like sort of your final thoughts on the NBA heading into the finals? I feel like um, this has been like a really tough um, playoffs to predict. Um, I think Golden State, they flew under a lot of people's um, radars. I thought maybe the Suns were probably going to make the finals, but I guess the Warriors, they showed that they're still a championship caliber team. But I guess, um, I don't want to say people forgot, but other teams were doing really well. So it was kind of hard to, I guess, um, tell if they were going to make the finals again. But it looks like they're going to make the finals again. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I definitely would love to see Boston with their tough defense try and defend against Golden State. I feel like that would be a really good series. Um, but, I mean, if Miami goes, I mean, they could be really good as well. So, definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to hand it off now to you for everything NHL. For sure. And for everything NHL, uh, we're going to look at the playoffs and I guess we're going to start in the East again. And I guess we'll start off with a sweep. Um, Tampa Bay swept the Florida Panthers. So what are your thoughts on that? I didn't expect this. I mean, Florida, they won the President's Trophy. They had the most points at the end of the season. And they got swept by the two-time defending champions, Tampa Bay. I mean, if you're a Toronto fan, you're probably happy considering you took Tampa Bay to seven games and then they just kind of went and disposed of Florida that easily. It might make you feel better that like maybe you could have done that to Florida too. But I mean, yeah, wow. I don't, I honestly don't know what to say. Like Florida scoring just dried up in this series. Um, like Bobrovsky, he was a good goalie, but I mean, 
Andre Vasilevsky on the other end, just pretty much, I mean, he just dominated. And I mean, like, what was it in game uh, four? They only need to win like two, nothing like Florida couldn't even get a goal. Like they were the highest scoring team in the league this season. And they only had three goals the whole series. Like it, the fact that you only score three goals in four games, you had no offense. Like, it, that's, that's pretty insane. Uh, Tampa, they didn't allow any goals in the final game. Both Patrick Maroon and Andre Palat were the goal scorers for Tampa Bay, and they were both near the end of the third period. Uh, well, one was near the beginning, one was near the end. So they just held Florida that whole time. I think two disallowed goals in that game. It could have been 4 nothing. Florida really was fortunate there. But, yeah, in my opinion, Tampa Bay is on their way to winning a third straight Stanley Cup. I'd be interested to see who can stop them. Yeah, it looks like Florida was like um, the one wrestler who looked like they could be a serious contender for the belt, and the heavyweight champion just says no, and it and he lays like a beat down on the other wrestler. So I feel like this was kind of one of those situations, unfortunately, and the Panthers were unfortunately on the receiving end of that. So I guess hopefully next year, um, Florida they kind of learn from their experience. On the bright side, this was, um, I guess, they they broke the drought of being stuck in the first round. So um, now they've made a run. So now they got to, I guess, kind of continue on their um, success. It doesn't really look like that, but I'd say if you broke a playoff drought, at least that's like one positive there. So moving on to um, the next series in the East, we have a tied series right now. Um, Carolina and the Rangers. What are your thoughts on that? Actually, this game just finished. It's now three to two for Carolina. Um, it finished just as we started recording. Um, Carolina won game five, so they're up three to two. They won the game three to one. Um, I guess looking at the scoring, Vincent Trocek and Mika Zibanejad scored for their respective teams in the first period. It was a one-one tie. Then Tovo, Teravainen, and Andre Svechnikov scored for Carolina to get it done. They're up three to two in the series now over the New York Rangers. I think my only problem with Carolina is every home game in the playoffs they've won, but every road game they've lost. So I'm kind of concerned with them heading into game six. Um, I think in terms of a game six pick, before you ask, I might just go with the Rangers just because they've been a strong home team this entire year regular season or playoffs and Carolina just in the playoffs, they have not won on the road at all. So Carolina could get it done, obviously, but I just feel like the Rangers will have a strong showing at home. Yeah. This series, uh, it's been tough. It's been low scoring. Um, people call it the boring series of the playoffs, but I mean, at the end of the day, these two teams are fighting, see who gets to face Tampa Bay in the next round. So they'll definitely have fun doing that. And um, yeah, um, definitely a solid performance from Carolina here. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, I guess my personal opinion is that Tampa Bay would probably still be the clear favorite, whoever wins. I know Carolina, they've been solid all of um, last season. They've been solid this season, but the Rangers have been putting up a lot of a fight. So I'm just wondering, um, what do you, what do you think are the chances of either team facing Tampa Bay? Um, Carolina, I mean, they could have a chance to beat Tampa Bay. They got to get their starting goalie, Freddie Anderson back because they need someone that's going to be able to combat against Andre Vasilevsky at the other end. Um, like 
Jack Campbell played his heart out for Toronto and he almost got the best of Vasilevsky. So you need a goalie like that. That's going to really battle. I don't know if Ranta is going to be able to handle. I mean, he's been pretty solid most of this series, but I don't know if he's going to be able to handle what Tampa Bay is going to have to throw at him. The Rangers have a very solid goalie in Shesterkin. He's probably going to win goalie of the year. Um, but I just don't know whether they have that defense to be able to stop Tampa Bay. Their defense is significantly worse than Carolina. Their only reason they're close in this series is because of Igor Shesterkin. So, um, yeah, I think both teams have their weaknesses. Carolina, if they get Anderson back, though, I'd say they have the best chance of beating Tampa. Sure. And I guess we can move on to the, I guess, the west side of the playoffs. So um, we'll start off with Colorado and St. Louis. Um, it looks like Colorado's leading three to two. So um, what are your thoughts on the series? They should have put this series away on Wednesday night. And they made the big mistake of going up three, nothing, and then losing five, four in overtime to St. Louis. Not a good look for Colorado because that doubt's going to creep back into their head as they've lost in the second round in like how many years in a row. So um, not good. They need to go into St. Louis for game six to get it done. Um, I guess just looking at the stats from last game, yeah, they went up 3-0. Um, it was Nathan McKinnon with two goals in the first and then Gabriel Landeskog with one in the second. Then St. Louis started clawing their way back. You had Vladimir Tarasenko in the second. You had Robert Thomas in the third, Jordan Cairo in the third. Then Nathan McKinnon did that like end-to-end rush and he took the lead with like two minutes left in the game. But then with like one minute left in the game, Robert Thomas scored to tie it up. And then it went to overtime and Tyler Bozak won it for St. Louis. So it's a crazy game. This game's definitely going to put doubts in Colorado's head for sure. They definitely need to shake those off and win game six. Because if it goes to seven, they're going to have a lot of doubts in their head. And I think that St. Louis could come through. Um, it's been a tough series for the Blues. Obviously, their goalie, Bennington, gets hurt. The whole controversy with Kadri and everything uh, for that hit. Uh, I don't really know if it was his fault, but he does have that reputation. So obviously, uh, they're going to blame him for it. Uh, at the end of the day, St. Louis, they just got a battle. Huso was a good goalie for them for most of this year, so he is capable of filling in for Bennington. Uh, yeah, we'll see how the rest of this series goes. I am predicting Colorado to win the next game, but uh, yeah, the doubt is really going to creep into their head, so there is a chance that St. Louis could pull it off, but yeah, personally, I'll take Colorado. Yeah, honestly, I think St. Louis, again, like you said, they have a chance um, they're a veteran team. I believe they have made the Stanley Cup um, finals before in, pre- in, I guess, a previous year. So um, they have the, I guess, the veteran mentality to go all go to the distance and win. But I guess, what are your chances on either um, team getting to the finals? Yeah, I mean, the Blues, they did win the Stanley Cup three years ago, I believe it was. So um, yeah, they definitely have the, the capability and, and the team to do it. Colorado hasn't been there before uh, with this group. So um, they're more offensively talented, obviously, potentially more defensively talented as well. So, uh, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, if Colorado wins this series. A lot of people are going to be picking them to go to the finals and potentially win the Stanley Cup. Um, we'll definitely see which team they're going to face in the next series, uh, though, if they if they get through. But yeah, St. Louis does have a chance. Like you said, they got a lot of vets. They got guys that have won before, and that's important when it comes to playoffs. For sure. And I guess moving to the next series, we have uh, two teams that haven't been to Stanley Cup 
in a while. Um, two fairly young teams, uh, Calgary and Edmonton. Battle of Alberta, Edmonton is up in the series 3-1. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, they're up in the series 3-1. They've played really well so far. Game 5 is currently going on as we're recording. It's in Calgary, and the Flames are up 2-0 in the second period. You have Andrew, Andrew Majapani and Michael Backlund scoring the goals for Calgary. This is the fight we've been looking for in Calgary that they haven't showed the past three games. They won game one, and then the Oilers have won three straight, playing amazing hockey. Connor McDavid is just flexing in offensive muscles on this team. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, we know he's probably one of the more talented players in the league. Both him and Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane have just had amazing series. And Mike Smith's been pretty good in goal. I've been impressed with him as well. So really happy to see the Oilers finally playing well in the playoffs. And it looks like Calgary does have a chance to sort of um, get a win here and potentially try and take it to seven. Cause I mean, the Oilers, um, if they don't win it here, then they got to win it in game six at home. And then they got to try and go to game seven in Calgary. If Calgary manages to win both of these two games. So yeah, this is the battle of Alberta. I mean, there's been fights, there's been hits, there's been goals, there's been saves. I mean, everything's been in this series. It's been exciting to watch for sure. Yeah, they also had the highest scoring game overall for a really long time, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, these two teams, they love to compete with each other. They always um, bring 100% whenever it's the battle of Alberta. It always ends up being a battle. So I think... This could be ends up. This could end up being again one of the a better series this year, depending on how it turns out. I think they had the best start of of a series in a long time. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to go down as one of the classics for sure. Because when two rivals meet in the playoffs, like we talked about the Battle of Florida earlier, Tampa Bay kind of like handled them uh, compared to the way that battle went last year. Um, but yeah, this battle of Alberta is living up to the hype for sure. And I guess um, the Oilers, they do have a young team. Like you said, Connor McDavid, really young player, but he's really talented. Um, Leon Dreisel and Evander Kane, they're also really talented as well. Um, they could be a young team that gets to the finals, but they'd obviously have to go through Colorado or St. Louis to do that. So um, what do you think their chances are of doing that? Yeah, I mean, like, look at their stats. Like, Connor McDavid, 25 points in 11 games. Leon Dreisaitl, 22 in 11. They're both averaging two or more points per game. They were the one and two scorers in the regular season, and now they're the one and two scorers in the playoffs. Like, they're doing amazing. And then if you go to Evander Kane, he has 15 points in those 11 games. But, like, I mean, the fact that he's got so many goals, he leads the playoffs with 12 goals in 11 games. Like, this guy is just scoring out of his mind right now. Um, yeah, all three of them, they're playing insane right now. If they go to the conference finals, they're going to have a tough matchup because both St. Louis and Colorado, they're talented teams. St. Louis has done it before. Colorado is, like, extremely talented, both offensively and defensively. So, it's going to be tough for the Oilers. Um, if the Flames somehow get through, it's going to be tough for them as well. They are a deep team, though, so Calgary could survive like one of those uh, rounds with either Colorado or St. Louis. So um, it's really tough to see who's going to break through. Most people are taking the avalanche, but I wouldn't count the Oilers or the Flames out as well from this side. 
for sure. But I guess comparing kind of the Western teams and the East, um, I mean, me personally, I think that Tampa Bay would still kind of be the favorites over um, any of the Western teams right now, just because of how solid that they look. But um, what do you think are any of the Western team chances of taking the Stanley Cup? I mean, I'll have to agree with you there. Tampa Bay, they have the best goalie. They probably have the best defenseman left in the playoffs. That's Victor Hedman. Um, and I mean, they have a pretty solid forward group, even though they have some injuries like Braden Point. Like, I mean, this team, they just need to play their structure and Tampa can pretty much win a series against any team. So, um, yeah, they clearly should be the favorites. Colorado will probably be the best team that could upset them. I mean, I like the Oilers as well. Um, both teams can go with Tampa Bay offensively. Defensively, I'm not sure, though. So we'll definitely have to see. But, um, yeah, either of the four teams in the West would put up a great series against Tampa. Um, and potentially Carolina, if they're healthy, they definitely could put up a good series if they went to the finals as well. For sure. And I guess um, just what are your thoughts on the Western team and Eastern teams for the playoffs this year? If I was to make a prediction, uh, probably Tampa Bay against Colorado, unless I see anything different. Me personally, I've picked the Oilers to cheer for because they're a fun young team, got a lot of offensive talent, and they're they're not the strongest team defensively or in net, but I've, I've been happy watching them have success. So uh, you don't got Toronto to cheer for anymore. So, you know, cheering for another team in Canada like Edmonton. Uh, I think that they're a solid pick if they go out. I think I'll probably just be a, a fan that's just a fan of the game. You know, I might not pick a certain team to cheer for. Just watch the game for how great it is. Yeah, I feel like watching Connor McDavid is kind of like um, watching someone like Luka Doncic or Giannis in the NBA, like a really young player who is potentially an all-time great. He's playing like an all-time great right now. You have Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane, who are also uh, really talented players. So um, if they end up making it to um, the conference finals and they face either Colorado or St. Louis, I think it'd be kind of an exciting prospect because it'll be not that um, Calgary isn't like a real test, but they'd be facing kind of like a top tier team, if that makes sense. So it'd be really interesting to see how either Calgary or Edmonton faces a team like that. I feel like if the Stanley Cup finals is Tampa Bay against St. Louis, people are going to not want to tune in because those two teams have won the last three Stanley Cups. So uh, I feel like that if one of those teams goes to the finals, that's fine. But I feel like we need some fresh blood there in the finals. So hopefully they get to face a team that hasn't been there uh, with their respective core. So um, yeah, uh, definitely want to see a fresh matchup. It would be a fresh matchup, but we wouldn't get a fresh champion. So I kind of want to see the chance for a fresh champion as well. Yeah, but I guess it'd be um, good for, I guess, fans who like dynasties. I feel like um, Tampa Bay is kind of like the last hockey dynasty that I remember. So I guess just what are your thoughts on Tampa Bay as a dynasty? Yeah, probably, you know, maybe Chicago three cups in like they have like three cups in like five or six years, something like that. So they are probably the most recent dynasty. And then, yeah, Tampa Bay, if they win like three in a row, yeah, that they'd probably be like a, a modern dynasty. So, yeah, um, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, they're, they're the closest thing that we have to have dynasty right now in sports. For sure. 
And I guess, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I'm probably going to tune into that third period of the Battle of Alberta. I mean, the game looks like it's going well. I, I definitely want to see if Calgary can win this game. Maybe Edmonton has a comeback left in them like they did in previous games. So, yeah, let's definitely see what's going on there. For sure. And uh, that about brings us to the end of everything NHL and the Fantasy Phonetics podcast. If you liked what you watched, you can subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, give us a like, give us a review, uh, give us your thoughts on all three sports. And if you liked what you listened to, you can follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Apple Music and Google Podcasts. And if you need some sports picks, you can follow us at FanFan Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.